Okay, how about um, favorite weather? I think this is interesting. Hmm. I don't typically like the heat, uh, and I don't. I don't know. It's weird. Like I don't really like too much sun just because I uh, burn very easily. But I think like warm summer nights, which we don't get a lot of here. Like it can be hot then. I'm okay with that as long as the sun isn't out. It's either like the sun is out and it's cold or it's dark and it's, and it's warm. But yeah, like uh, warm summer nights are like summer mornings. Really love those. Really love like fall. No wind. Hate the wind. <laughs> I was going to guess fall. The sun here, I don't know what it is about Calgary. We're too close to it or something. It's, it's just like really like bright right. and contrasty and hard to shoot in during the day. I think that's why I like, like um, kind of like dusk and dawn periods too because it, it's just like everything is like glowy and warm and looks really beautiful. Yeah, that's how it, I remember all of your pictures. <laughs> golden hour. Yeah. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This episode of My Viewfinder is brought to you by Alberta Forest Industries. Now here's a quick word from our sponsor. Alberta's forests matter to all of us. That's why Alberta's forest industry works to keep them sustainable now and for future generations. By planning 200 years ahead, helping control the spread of fire and disease, and planting and nurturing two trees for every one harvested, we keep our forests standing strong. To learn more about how our forests take care of us and how we take care of them, visit loveabforests.com. How do people think of me? How do I think of myself? How best to answer these questions if not through self-portraits? Perhaps placing said portraits in front of others? What about asking, in earnest, to get those people to share their impressions with you? Dig into it, instead of assuming you already know what they're thinking. That's a tough ask, but that's exactly what Caitlin has done. Here's the second half of my talk with Caitlin Mormon about what it takes to sit in front of your own lens and be in a place where you can be seen. Yeah, I, I think what I'm humming about is... Uh, you know, it's fascinating to have an analytical and research-grounded approach to something like that. So I wonder if because a lot of this isn't coming from impulse or intuition, that you can be presumably more critical and open-minded about that feedback loop instead of it becoming very emotional, like you brought up before it's technically a disciplined art, even going through a drive through or having some type of interchange on the street or with friends um, that can become yeah, uh, formative and uh, psychologically affecting. Not that art isn't, but um, listening to you and your approach to art, it, it is fascinating to kind of sort of put myself in this uh, situation where would I be okay, let's say, with my face somewhere and then hearing about what people's impressions about my face were. And I've certainly heard that in a non-art perspective and you're right i mean it's it's uh it's a weird and f identity forming experience positively and negatively and i think something that's become much more present it's you mentioned earlier about what was it like sort of you know having a picture and there's a context around how that occurrence happens so um, not to make this turning towards me too much, but I, I can't remember if I shared this with you, but that picture where you posted for Exposure Studio, Scott Mallow took of me. We were on a photo walk and that was like literally 
uh, five minutes before we were uh, assaulted by a man under that bridge. <laughs> yeah, and this guy tried to fight us, tried to break Scott's camera, and then told me I was a Chinaman and that I should go back to my <laughs> to my country. And it is a fa- yeah, it's a fascinating thing because after that is when I started uh, a bit of a breakup from street 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 photoing because uh, you know instead of it becoming entirely sort of blaming and being easy to say that, well he's uh, you know a racist uh, homophobic closeted just weird angry dude um i got into a self-reflective moment too where i'm like why, why am i out here taking these pictures and uh, is it insulting i like i don't know I, the whole thing became very strange so for me to kind of then take that and put that out there to get a feedback loop i don't know if i'm prepared for that I just live that in my head. Yeah. It's also so interesting because like, like I said, like, you know, when you see photos that you've been a part of, like when I saw that photo, it just looked like I assumed you guys were out on a photo walk. It's really nice light. It's a nice photo. Looks like you. Like there's, you know, you know what I mean? And that's like, that's kind of it. I'm not thinking like, and then you've got all like that backstory, um, which I find so interesting about photography too because like you have to be somewhere to take that photo even if you're in a studio like so for example the self-portrait like I took it myself I don't have a like I have a timer on my camera but I don't have a like a remote so I was literally like setting like I would like wave my hand in front of the camera and set the um, tracker like on the live view and then I would just like kind of like dance over to the stool and sit down and pose myself. And I had to do it in like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I had to look calm. Like, because there's so, ma- so many photos. I did it over the course of three nights. I did it between like, I think I would start at like midnight and go until two in the morning because I didn't want anyone to like, because the studio is a shared space. I didn't want anyone to come in. And I was just like, so many of like, oh, I had the pose right, but my face looks so tense because I literally just like forced myself over here or so many that were out of focus or you know all of these different things and like it was a really interesting and even just like getting the lighting set up because when I did this I was like fairly new to studio lighting so I was like I don't even know if I like you know it took so long to get it to a point where I was like this is the right lighting and then it would be like it'd be like two or three in the morning and I'm like I have to go home I'm tired and then I would do it the next day and um and then like the changes in outfits and like just trying to trying to find a pose a facial expression, uh, outfit that felt like me took so long and no one knows that they just see this photo and they're like, Oh, you know, whatever the comments are on based on like how I look. Um, you don't, you don't think about these backstories and photography means something to the audience, but it's so separate most of the time from what it means to the person who made it. Like I don't always do studio stuff. I mean like a lot of what I enjoy doing is just like, going and walking or traveling, taking photos, and then a set, like, like I said, like taking photos of whatever I want, whatever I feel like, whatever like hits me in that moment, and then assessing them afterwards and thinking like, oh, I took a lot of photos of architecture or I took a lot of photos of people. Like what was I thinking leading up to that? Um, but like no one, no one knows these, these backstories. Uh, I did a, a road trip series and I took only film with me, whereas like Actually, I think I did take my digital camera. I used to travel with a digital and a film camera and like two lenses and it was just like killing my back. 
And it was mostly because I was just scared I was going to miss the photo. I was like, I need to have like everything so I can get the photo. And now I just like travel with like a really broken down 35 millimeter film camera and one lens. And I just shoot whatever I feel like in that process of film, because there's this debate of like, why use film? Why use digital? And like, for me, it's part of the like reflective process. It's like, I shoot it and then I don't see it until I develop it. And then once I develop it, I have this body of images that I've taken the time. Cause like I'll set, sometimes I'll like see something and I'll set up a shot and then I'm like, no, I don't want to take it. Or I'll see something and I miss it. And I'm like, oh, there's that, you know, I used to like regret those missed opportunities. And now I'm just like, well, I saw it in person and that's enough. And it's like in here somewhere. Um, but then there, you know, like all the shots that I take, I actually spend time thinking about them while I'm taking them. And then when I get the film back, uh, like if I develop, like I, I really love developing, I just don't have the capacity to do it anymore, but I get the film back now and I get to see this progression of whatever I was doing that day. When I did the road trip series, I drove from here down to uh, Portland and then Seattle and then Vancouver and then back over to Calgary. And all along the road, all I took were photos of like architecture and landscape and it wasn't because there was an absence of people. There were people around. I just didn't take photos of it. And then when I was in cities that I wasn't as familiar with, I only took photos of architecture. And then when I was in like Seattle, which I've been to like many times, I almost solely took photos of people. And I think it's because just like me as a person, I like to position myself spatially. Like I need to be comfortable with my surroundings before I start to notice other people. Like I'm fully self-involved and like, concerned about everything that's going on and like I think that shows with just like giving myself points by taking photos of these buildings that I'm going to look at forever and I'm going to remember the moment and all that stuff and to me this is it's now familiar and then in a place where I felt familiar I was like more comfortable to start taking photos of people around me. I wonder I'm just thinking you know when you're talking about being on the trip with the camera and originally feeling like you missed moments, etc. It reminds me of this idea or makes me think of this idea of, um, let's say, the position of the camera and the taker and having to remove yourself from a situation. So like I have this sort of, uh, if there's a metaphorical language, it's like the photographer is kind of almost hiding and apart from uh from their subject matter. And that's not necessarily true, particularly, you know, like in, in these depictions of, uh, you know, fashion commercial shoots for these like rock and roll photographers are like basically, you know, grabbing and manipulating people, et cetera. But um, particularly in, uh, yeah, in a street architectural or whatever setting. Uh, so I get a question sometimes like, why am I not carrying my camera when I'm with my family? And I, I generally don't because when I do uh, and uh, my photographer brain turns on, I'm no longer, in my mind, uh, a husband or a father. And it's an interesting thought. So bringing up Seattle versus uh, rural Washington um, or Montana, um, being in a comfort zone and noticing sort of a a different layer because you are able to kind of uh, disassociate yourself from something you find kind of ordinary. And then bringing that back to self-portraiture because there's something of uh, an inverse or like a, a, a conflict, I, in my opinion, is probably why I'm so scared of self-portraiture because how do you, I take myself out of a moment looking at myself? It's so weird. I, I don't know. But, it, you know, you describing staying up for how many nights in a row to take that self-picture, uh, self-portrait, 
I mean, I think it speaks to that. It's fascinating, like that it would take so long. Because you're right. When I see, I mean, I wouldn't assume that you took that picture in one shot, but uh, I definitely wouldn't have built a narrative of how much work, intentionality. Uh, you know, I didn't wouldn't even assume you had different outfits. For example, you know, it turns out great. You know, you're all in black, and and hearing about your intent, it totally makes sense. But um, that there were different options is a fascinating insight into your thinking process at that time, right? And um, wherever you were and whatever you were uh, being pressured by, uh, whether it was how you felt you needed to be represented to other people or to yourself, who knows? I mean, that's that's a rabbit hole. But um, yeah, it's just a weird thing to think about. Uh, yeah. I wanted it to feel calm. I wanted it to feel, because um, I think like in general, a lot of like the work that I do feels uh like quiet or like even when i'm taking photos of like spaces and stuff it's um because i'm focused on like yeah i'm focused on like like you were saying when you step out of when you're in that brain that photographer brain where you're just like you're only you're paying attention to like what you see and you're not able to like engage with other people and i'm the same like i don't like shooting with other people which is why i don't do a lot of (laughs) photo walks and stuff because like I, i feel like i can't engage in the same way with the environment if i'm talking to other people and even that road trip like there were friends who I met along the way because they all wanted to go together I initially planned it to go by myself and then a friend wanted to go and then another friend wanted to go and I was like great you two can go together and I'll like (laughs) just so I did I did I like wanted it to be alone because it was like after I graduated and I just like wanted I needed some time and space and to not talk to people and I find driving very meditative as well so I was just like I just want to like go and like not talk to people and stop whenever I feel like it and catch whatever I see and a lot of what I'm paying attention to when I'm unfamiliar with the place is like the architecture not even looking at people like I am to a degree but I'm like like I can't I can't focus on you and this and what's going on in my head I you know I'm just only seeing these certain things but I think the thing um that I've noticed with like the work because I like photography for me is meditative um it's cathartic it's it's like a way to like remove myself from the busyness of my life and so I think I photograph a lot of things that like what I'm paying attention to is like the peaceful moments the quiet moments like really nice light and so when I was taking my own portrait I was like that's kind of I don't know if I thought that in the moment but I was just like I would pose and I would be like very stiff and I was like well I need to like breathe out and like relax and even like Um, after that and before that like I've now taken like a lot of portraits in studio and I just like use similar techniques where I'm like okay and like I want you to exhale because it just like kind of relaxes everything Um, but I wanted it to feel I wanted it to feel like I wanted the the I wanted to be looking straight at the camera because I think like that's intimidating as both the subject and the maybe not intimidating but it's just like people don't buy portraits as much as they might landscapes because like you're looking at someone else, you're like self-reflecting or thinking about that person as opposed to a landscape where you can just feel, you know, um, less complicated emotions, I guess. Right. Uh, but yeah, it all, it all kind of ties together for me. Like I, I love when I learn new technical skills, like I, I, a lot of what I did in the beginning with photography was just learning I was like I don't really know what I'm taking photos of I just like want to learn I just want to learn things and I mean I'm always learning and always 
you know, speaking to other people about my work and being like, what do you think of this? And, and I have a lot of those conversations and I'll be like, oh, like, I don't like this because of this. And it, um, some of those things stick with me and they change and they like help me grow. It's all very self-reflective. And I think like taking your own portrait, you should try it as an exercise. Like it's super uncomfortable. And then also like looking at yourself, like, you know, initially I was, I was just like, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm not doing this project. Like I'm over it. It's just like not working. And then I'm, and then I think it's cause I was like struggling with like getting the right light. And then I got the right light and I was like, okay, it's a little better. And then I was like, Oh, like I hate what I'm wearing. It just doesn't feel good. And I think I had shown it to uh, someone else and they're like, why are you wearing that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It doesn't like, it's not me. It doesn't feel like me. And then kind of just like going through that process, like, learning a lot about myself and and what I even felt like in terms of identity and, (laughs) and those things. So yeah, you should, you should try it, but like, Uh, don't, don't let yourself quit. Like go until you're comfortable, until you like, wait, even if it's like days and I I still do it. I still every so often, like I did it recently um, for this uh, exposure studio bio, I was going to do a more recent picture because this one's two years old now. And I went in the studio and was taking portraits and, it was, I did it, I did it once for a couple hours and then I left and I reviewed everything. And it's not that I didn't ha- like, like some of the photos. It was that I was trying to emulate a certain look, uh, not me, but like lighting wise. And I was like, Oh, I don't have it. And I was going to go back and do it again. And then I was just didn't have time, but yeah, I think it's like, it's a really good, uh, exercise and it teaches you a lot about like technical things it also teaches you a lot about how to pose people by posing yourself um and even like when I used to do when I used to paint as a a teen like I have all of these self-portraits like so many and I even have uh one like canvas that's I think it's like four feet by something and it's literally like it's my face and I never finished it and I up until recently, I was just like, why did I, like, why was I so obsessed with, like, myself? But I don't think I was. It, it was easier to put a mirror in front of myself and use that than to ask someone to pose um, when I didn't feel confident with my skill set. So it's like learning new skills, and I do it now even, like, with learning lighting and stuff. Taking my own portrait is easier than asking someone to sit and feeling stressed out because I'm like, I'm trying to figure out all this stuff and also engage with this person in front of me. So now I just like do it to myself and it's, I don't know, I find it a lot easier. I have this idea. I think I'm going to find a way to call this episode something like meditating in front of a mirror. (laughs) It's something fascinating about that. I, I, uh, I'm not going to commit to taking your challenge, but I think, I think I should. I, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's just a fascinating idea. It's hard not to do it in a space that you don't have complete privacy in. I mean, like the good thing about Emerson going back to school is you might have some like <laughs> moments of alone time where you can yeah. just, because it is really like, I don't know, I find it very uncomfortable to have another person in there or even like oh, yeah. the thought of someone walking in. It's just like, it's already hard enough <laughs> mentally than to ha- have that added element of like the stress of a person showing up. But I'll ask this one sort of, I don't know if it's cynical, but I'll, I'll twist the conversation a bit, which I think, um, and when you brought up, I can't remember her name, but at Five Art, this project about boredom, and one of these negative words I keep thinking about associated with art is this concept of privilege. Um, you know, you're bringing up this idea of, A, uh, spending time by myself, taking pictures of myself when I'm alone, um, but B, also 
this pressure you feel uh, performing even something you've done before when you're running out of time, you're tired, we have to worry about earning a paycheck so that you can eat something, you know, maybe after you take pictures of yourself, you know, there's a lot of external pressures around art. Uh, and particularly for uh, those of us who are em em quote unquote emerging or can't find a professional vocation surrounding art, it's a strange stress, right? I mean, how do you, how does one have that much freedom in it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where that comes from. And I, I think that from what I see, uh, unless you're some hobbyist, I mean, there's some people that most people, I even when I talked to George Weber once, but my friend uh, Bob Pierce too, the painter, you know, they kind of have this, I mean, they did well, but they also have this uh, wizened reply that like, that's a generation ago where you might have been able to sweat it out as a painter, but even they had like successful careers doing other stuff. I mean, George was a staff photographer, but you know, Bob was a landscape architect um, and he's an, a phenomenal painter and artist, but um it makes me have to challenge this idealistic notion that I can do this and speak to you know creative, awesome artists and presumably build my own work and somehow still feed myself and my family. I, I don't know, because it definitely affects how I can approach like perspectives was affected because I suddenly needed to make money building that magazine. And that's kind of a zero sum game. It's almost uh, not impossible, but the way I wanted to do it, it was never gonna happen. Um, and the photography thing is the same thing. You know, I can go out and hang out with Alvin all day, but I'm not, like you said, I'm not selling street photos that have people in it. Like people are scared to have photos of other people. I mean, this is a broad generalization, but it's not a big market. Uh, if I became a landscape or a wildlife photographer, there seems to be a market in Calgary for that sort of thing, but there's there's a thousand people who are selling essentially the same picture. So um, it's a weird, yeah, I'm caught. I'm caught with that. It's It's a... It's a weird thing to think about. I think uh, like, <clears throat> so one reason I stopped painting too after high school is I, I knew that I didn't have, um, like I wouldn't tough it out and try and, I was like, I don't think I have enough as a painter to make this a thing. And um, my mom actually like painted all through my, <clears throat> me growing up, but she was also a stay at home mom. And then uh, she hit a point where she went back to work and she doesn't paint anymore. And she always says like, when I retire, like in her mind, it's like this thing that has to exist when the money's been made. And she's like, you know, has some kind of income that is like a passive income as opposed to like uh, working for it. And something I like, I don't know if like being a commercial photographer has ever been a goal of mine. Like I, I think like I thought it was. And then after doing some of it and um, now I've been working in advertising and like, you've got so many clients and like at the end of the day, like I'm a button pusher for some people. Like I'm just told there's so many people who are involved to develop these creative themes. And then they're like, you just know how to do this. So you're going to go push that button. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like it ruins it for me actually. Um, so like I do enjoy shooting commercial in terms of like, I like doing portraiture cause I do like to talk to people while I'm doing it. Um, and before and after, like it develops a relationship that I really enjoy. And I like shooting um, product and stuff for work on occasion, just cause it's like a technical skill or like, it's just exciting to be on a set and do that kind of stuff. Um, but I've really strayed away from doing my own practice and haven't done anything since the self-portrait, haven't shown anything, haven't like built anything, haven't even thought about anything. And up until recently, haven't been shooting anything that wasn't commercial because I was so bogged down with trying to make it work freelance 
my day job, I was just like, I can't do this as well. But I find I've been finding a lot of dissatisfaction. And the reason I applied to the studio sessions and I like wrote it in my application was just like, I need something to motivate me to start making stuff again. Um, I need some kind of inspiration. As much as, you know, you say you're not like academic or like, you know, think about like the art aspects. That's exactly what, what those discussions were. It's like, it's putting it into, it's taking it out of this thing that like you just make and avoid and it's like talking about it. And I, I like talking about what I'm doing and I get enjoyment from that as well. And it's inspired me to like think of some um, new projects that I'm hoping I stay motivated enough to continue. But I, I think it, it is really difficult. And so like Julia, for example, with, with boredom, it's like, you know, she's done a residence recently. She uh, like applies for grants and she does all these things, but she still has to work full-time or almost, I think she's full-time right now serving, which was hard during COVID and harder like now going back and not having like having to be with people um, with COVID going on. But like her whole thing was trying to recontextualize and saying like, it's less about the making of money and it's more about the making and being inspired. It comes from a place of privilege in the sense that like any artist um, can go out and make things and maybe they don't need a a job. Like, you know, um, maybe they're supported by someone else, but even like all of almost all the people we talk to, they basically survive off of grants and aren't, aren't like killing it in the sense that they're like wealthy right like they just like their their needs are met so that they can keep doing what they're doing and I think like if you're the way to make it is either live it like that and you have to be super passionate and you have to like accept that at times you're gonna struggle maybe forever but you're doing something that fulfills you when it comes to having a family it's more complicated so then, the, you know, the opposite is like doing what I do. Where it's like I work a full-time job. I don't really plan on quitting doing that. Like I'm going to keep a full-time job um, because I need to, to, you know, pay off student debt. <laughs> um, but I think like pushing myself in my spare time as opposed to just being like, ugh, I'm too tired today. Or, I don't want to do this. And it's like even just taking a couple days off and shooting for them and forcing myself to do that. Um, there's privilege in the sense that I have the gear and I have the time and I'm able to do that. But like, yeah, I don't know. I I don't, I think it is very difficult, especially in this city to make it as a full-time artist. And even if you are a full-time like creator, like if you're a full-time photographer, like even you're talking about your friend who's like, you said he was a landscape architect. So that's removed from his painting, but the people who are doing painting or photography commercially or full-time it takes away from your practice. Like it's, unless you really enjoy that, like George taught. So teaching is like getting that feedback and then also having the space and like the equipment to continue to do what you're doing. So it's either doing something like that or doing something completely different and then allowing the art, the photography to be like your release from that. Cause yeah, I don't know. Like I've right before COVID hit, I was just like crazy busy with uh, freelance and with work and I burnt out and I was getting requests for portraits like around Christmas and I was just like, I need a month off. I can't like, I'm still working full time. I'm working crazy hours and I just like don't have the motivation to shoot your photo and never mind even like touching my own stuff. But I think like removing that um, pressure, trying to find a way to remove the pressure that you have to monetize it and finding something else like podcast workshops. Uh, a lot of those speakers said that starting 
collectives, things where you can kind of encourage each other and support each other in ways um, financially, sometimes like applying for big grants. But it's, yeah, I, I think like even commercial photography has its moments of where people are just like, I'm not inspired to do this and yet I have to. Like it's less about the art in that in that field, I think. I, I don't know if I brought this up in other episodes, but there's uh, in this indie hip hop song, at the end, they have this quote, uh, soundbite. I think it's a motive, one of those famous motivational speakers. But when you uh, brought up sort of like, you know, working a full day or whatever it is, and you're tired, you come home. And uh, for me lately, it's uh, Sudoku. I just go on play like a hundred Sudokus. I'm, I'm such I a loser. I love Sudoku too. Oh my God. I, I'm subscribed to a YouTube Sudoku channel and I fucking watch a dude solve impossible Sudokus. But like, so funny. Oh my God. Anyways, I'm, the, I'm definitely not at that level, but it's fun watching, uh, you know, mathematicians just to figure this shit out. Um, but the quote, Al Butcher, because I haven't thought about it in a while, but something along the lines of, uh, yeah, if you keep running from the battles you're meant to face, you end up in battles you're not equipped for, something like that. And uh, and the song name is Distractions. And I think, um, yeah, just hearing you say that, it, it reminds me, I mean, I'm not going to quit doing Sudokus, but I think, uh, yeah, speaking about passion and being able to direct your energy and making sure that, uh, yeah, even the word practice, I think that's a, uh, I mean, everything in life is semantics, but there's a definition in arts and uh, in any profession, actually, where it doesn't mean, you know, uh, well, it does still mean a repetition and a coach or something like that, but but more just uh, the discipline to practice it in, uh, for yourself, which is a fascinating concept. You'd think that I wouldn't be surprised by something like that, but every time it comes up, I'm just like, I don't know. Am I practicing? Am I, I don't know. I think like... I think the thing is, and this is what's so toxic about social media, one of the things, <laughs> but it, it is an echo chamber where people are just like, they like, they repost, they don't, um, they don't see it because of algorithms, whatever it is, but you don't like some people that's, for some people that's enough. The posting and getting the likes is enough and that's why they do it. And that's why they're like motivated to do this and like go hiking or do whatever. Like they just want that validation. For me, uh, it's not about people liking it's it's more the discussion so like I'll share stuff um I really like doing shows just because there's more of a discussion but I think like for me something that I've learned so like when I stopped painting it was just too much I was like I'm not doing anything with this and I just like can't and then it progressed to a point where I was like I don't even even know how anymore like I do know how but it's like it's I'm so out of practice that it's so difficult that I don't enjoy it when I'm doing it but when you're doing photography and like, you know, this past like year or two where I've just been working, working, working and like even doing photography, but like working, I don't, I don't feel fulfilled. And then when I do, if I go for it, like lately I haven't been, like this summer I haven't been sleeping well. And I think it's just because I'm getting too much sleep during COVID. <laughs> um, but like going on bike rides in the morning and just taking my camera and shooting, shooting like nothing and everything. And it's just that feeling of doing that and like I get the film back and like I like the photos I don't really do much I don't really do anything with them I might do something with them I don't know um there's no direction to it but for me like that gives me energy to do my day whereas like the days that I don't do that are the days that I like finish work make dinner and like go to bed kind of thing I just feel depressed and uh I know like I need to I like making with my hands I like like working I like task completion so like going out, walking, biking, whatever, and then shooting as I'm doing it. There's just some fulfillment in that 
in that like mechanical thing. Um, and then when I see the photos, it, it like feels good. It reminds me of like how I felt while I was doing that. And that is just like continues to encourage me to do it. But yeah, like even doing uh, this portrait or like when we did our show and I did three shows that weekend and one of them I installed like I curated, I installed, and then I uninstalled a week later and I was like so burnt out and I was like, no more shows. Like I just need a break. And doing this show, it's like, I keep pointing cause it's literally right there. She, she's sitting right there. Um, but it was so tiring and I was like working insane hours. I was so sick when I was shooting the portrait. I had like, had, was on the verge of like getting a flu, but I just kept doing it cause it was like, I have to, like, I, I do the hard things like the shows and the, I like obligate myself to doing things around what I like because it gets me to work through the difficult parts to feel something afterwards. Cause sometimes just shooting in a void, just going for bike rides and stuff like it's fulfilling, but only for so long. It'll get to the point where I'm like, nah, I don't care anymore. I'm not doing this or winter hits and I don't want to go outside, whatever it is. So I think it's just like finding what you like. Like I think multiple people said it, it was like Louis Palou said it and someone else said it more recently. Um, I think Natasha. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. do what you love. So if it's, talking to people like in these if it's podcasts do podcasts and then the photography can just be a side thing or like a thing that like introduces you to these people or if it is if it is taking the photos and if it is walking around downtown don't feel guilty about that it's not it's more just like you know I deal with rights management at work and using photos that people are in or whatever and like trying to like get those clearances and whatnot it's more just like respecting them and if you feel uncomfortable if you feel like you're not doing the right thing then don't do it and do what feels right and I think it's fine too to take a break like I thought I was gonna like write a bunch and take all these photos during the past few months and didn't do anything and at first I was like have okay I have to start now I have to start now it's getting too late like the pandemic is like waning it's not going to be here for forever And, and then it's like I was just like, I need to sleep. I need, I need rest. And then when I got to a point where I was like rested, now I can continue to do these things. And um, I think taking the breaks is necessary. I think having like the hard parts is really necessary and having the mental breaks is really necessary to actually appreciate what you do and why you do it. So, I mean, if you feel like doing it, do it. If you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. If you, if you really want to monetize this, find a different avenue than like print sales, like, you know, I love how when we started, you said you would have nothing to talk about. This has been great, right? Of course we have something to talk about. I get like overwhelmed because I'm like, there are all these things and I don't know how to structure them in like a well, but I forget that it's a discussion and I'm not just speaking. There's two of us. Yeah. And you're talking to the right person because I don't understand structure at all. So Ah, thank you so much. That was great. I, uh, that's a great conversation. No problem. Thanks for asking me. So that's my talk with Caitlin. I think what stands out is that she's interested in discovering these processes and tropes we cling to in defining a sense of identity. Her work is meant to create conversation and to set up a feedback loop, not only for the viewer, but for herself as well. Am I capable of producing my own self-image through self-portraiture? I'll tell you this, even if I can sit myself down in front of a camera, it won't be hanging on a wall anytime soon. Or maybe for this very reason, it needs to be. Only time will tell. Thanks again for sitting in with me and all the great thinkers I've met. Don't forget to subscribe to both this podcast feed and if you're on Instagram or Twitter, look me up. My account on Instagram is at my viewfinder podcast and you can find me on Twitter at MVF podcast. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be?
Oh my God. Um, it was something that a friend said to me. People aren't thinking of you the way you're thinking they're thinking of you. People just aren't thinking about you. And it's not a bad thing. Mm. I like that. That's, that's deep. That's very good. Hmm. No, I, I, it's, that's a good one. Well, I'll end it on that. I think that's going to make the cut. This episode is brought to you by Unbelts, the Edmonton-based biz that makes the comfiest stretch belts around. Unbelts also makes cloth masks, and you're going to need more of those. Whether you're heading back to school or just living in a city that requires masks indoors or on the bus, Unbelts masks are designed by serious perfectionists. The masks follow all the latest WHO guidelines. They're ethically made right down to their components, but most importantly, they're super comfortable, even if you have to wear them all day. Unbelts masks have elastic straps that go around your head instead of your ears. They've got a nose wire that keeps your glasses from fogging up. They've got waterproof performance shell on the outside and an organic cotton lining inside, and you can put a filter in between. They come in all sorts of colors and four sizes from preschooler to adult extra large. They've been featured in Parents Magazine, Elle Canada, and were even named Best in Edmonton. And guess what? Unibelts is a certified B corporation, which means their business is all about giving back. So what are you waiting for? Head to unbelts.ca to order your masks today. Shipping is always free, and you can enter the code APN for a free mini laundry bag just for Alberta Podcast Network listeners. If you're an Alberta teacher, click teacher discount on their homepage for 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's unbelts.ca and enter code APN.